Our scripture today is from 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and what that is, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord for us. You know, I so enjoy the way the church just gathers together. There's always like, you know, there's a lot of opinions about what a church service really is and what we do when we gather. Um, and, and my heart has always been that this is just a physical representation of the body of Christ. And there's so many like churches that you've gone to uh, where there's like little awkward moments. And me and Lakota have been talking about this for like the past month. There's little awkward moments that kind of happen in a church service um, like maybe um, there's a child crying, or maybe uh, the mic isn't working the way it should be, or or maybe there's a, a little bit of an awkward transition, and, and it and we kind of sit in our seats and are like, this is really kind of awkward and kind of strange and kind of quiet. Um, those moments are actually really unique in a way that prompts our heart and reminds us to pay attention and, and have to choose to worship God, even in like those awkward sort of quiet moments. So I kind of just love the way the church gathers. So I'm just thankful for each one of you this morning. And I pray that maybe through our time together, you'll experience some of those awkward moments that just sort of prompt your heart to just tune into what the Lord is actually speaking to you. I want to talk a little bit about love today, but before we get too deep, I want to tell you a little bit about my high school life. When I was in high school, I had one goal in mind. Whatever you do, at any and all costs, do not stick out in any way. Like, it wasn't, like, I, I, when I say I had one goal when I... Uh, was in high school, most people think, oh, your one goal was to graduate. No, my goal was not to graduate necessarily. I wouldn't have even cared if I didn't graduate as long as I didn't stick out in any way, shape, or form. Um, I did not want any attention drawn to me in high school at all. Like, I was just quiet. I wanted to fly under the radar, not be noticed in any way. And, and perhaps, like, in reflecting back uh, to my time in high school, and some of you actually were in high school with me, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, like, perhaps this displayed in me a little bit of inner turmoil of, like, how I actually felt about myself. But we're not going to talk about that too deeply. Like, we're not going to get into the psychology of that. Um, but I was so hyper-fixated on not sticking out, that it had the complete opposite effect. Like, I stuck out, stuck out like a sore thumb because I was so focused on not sticking out. Like, I never said anything. Like, I was quiet. 
I sat in the back of the class. I didn't do anything. To the point where people thought, man, he must be going through some heavy things, or maybe he's just really, really quiet. But that really wasn't the case, because if you know me at all, you know that I am not a quiet person. In fact, the title of quiet person for me is a title that my family would laugh at. Whenever a teacher would talk to my parents about me being the quiet student, they'd be like, like, really? Are we talking about the same, the same person? For example, just to display to you how this is so not true, uh, we were, I, I, I was driving with Raquel one day and I was telling her a story. If you know anything about me, you know that I love to tell stories. That's one of my favorite things to do. I love every aspect of a story. I love the, the, the context and setting it up because, you know, a good story doesn't start if you don't have any good context. Um, then there's the rising action of a story that sort of builds some anticipation and excitement. And then there's the, the peak of the story arc where there's just like your mind is just blown by maybe a plot twist or something that happened. Um, and then there's falling action and a resolution. Well, well, this is how I present all of my stories. And I was telling my wife this story and, and I was setting up the context and I was getting excited. And then I started giving her the rising action of the story and I was really getting excited and then it got to the peak, and I was like borderline yelling at this point. Uh, not in anger in any way, just excitement. And then there was the resolution, or the falling action and the resolution. And I look over to my wife expecting a, hey, great story, Jeremy, only to met, be met with, you know, I have come to the conclusion, Jeremy, that you will just never be a quiet person. My mom actually loves to tell people um, when, the day that I moved out of the house or the week that I moved out of the house, the whole house was just really quiet for like forever. And everything changed because there was silence in the house for the first time in a long time. And maybe you've spent a little bit of time with me and you're like, you, you tend to be quiet sometimes. Most of the time, if I'm ever trying to be quiet... It's because I don't really want to appear unintelligent, and I don't know what you're talking about, so I'm just trying to be quiet and appear intelligent. Actually, in Scripture, in Proverbs 17, it says, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. I have taken that to heart, to the point where if I don't feel like I know what you're talking about, I probably won't say a whole lot because I want to appear intelligent. Um, so I am just not a quiet person. I tend to be loud quite often. But in high school, that most certainly was not the case. I did not want to stick out in any way to the point where it made me look ridiculous, actually. And I earned the title of the quiet guy that sits in the back of the class. You know, I, I buried who I really was and who God created me to be because I was terrified of being different in any way. 
Now, I don't think that I am the only one that deals with a story like this today. Um, there are many of you this morning that would uh, probably not uh, like to stick out. Like, how many of you would say that I do not like to stick out in any way? And the fact that nobody is raising their hands actually displays that you do not want to stick out in any way. Like, if you wanted to stick out, you would have put your hand up. But because you don't, you kept it down. I actually thought maybe hands would go up. And then I would have said, the fact that all these hands went up, you felt comfortable enough to raise your hand. Like, we don't really enjoy sticking out. There's something hardwired in us to not stand out. And it's not for all of us. Like, some of us actually enjoy being the center of attention. Some of us actually enjoy sticking out. You don't like to conform to all the norms. You, you really enjoy that aspect of life. Well, that's not the case for all of us. Some of us really do not enjoy it. And fear tends to be the reason that we don't want to stick out in any way. Um, but I believe this morning firmly as we talk about love, that if we truly love the way that Christ asked us to, we will appear much different than the world. Much different. Last week, um, we talked about truth for a while. And, and for those of you that are really kind of black and white persons, you probably loved a message about truth. Like there's no, there's no gray area. It's either you're right or you're wrong. And this morning, we're going to be talking about love. And for some of you, that like kind of makes you feel unsettled. A lot of the, and, and, and I'm just stereotyping here. I know it's not really the case all the time, but... But generally, women tend to like this subject a whole lot more um, because it makes it, there's a lot of feeling in love. And, but there, and I'm not going to get into the full definition of love and all the aspects of it. Um, but generally, men don't like the idea of a message on love as much. They would much rather have a message on truth and just get straight to the point. Tell me how it is, what's right, what's wrong, and we're good, and we can go home and have lunch. Um, well, this morning, uh, if, if, you're, if you're like, I love truth, well, just hang in with me a little bit this morning. We're going to be talking about love, which is not, I mean, truth and love exist together, right? Like, they're not necessarily two separate things. But I think sometimes the church gets love kind of wrong, um, and it kind of bothers me. There's so many times where we feel like love um, is almost this like aggressive thing. Like if I really love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. And it might hurt a little bit. Um, and, and, and others of you see love as just this straight emotion to where it's like, you know, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter what's true as long as I feel good and I feel loved. Like that's what's important. And, and it's not that those two don't exist together. I, I really think that they do. Um, and I think so many times... The Christian church is so focused on getting truth across that we forget to love people in the middle of it. And I'm not saying don't share truth at all, because I think when when truth is is gone, everything or anything goes. Uh, but there there's something to be said about speaking truth in love. Right. And I. I have always been a firm believer in speaking truth, but I always 
I always believe that you should go with love first and then share truth through that. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit. Uh, and maybe you're wondering, didn't we, uh, didn't we already talk about love? Like you were up here just a little bit ago and we talked about love. And to answer your question, yes, we did. We recently talked about this idea of love. Um, but the idea that we're, or the, really the reason we're talking about it again um, is really one of the ways that First John was written. Oh, if you don't know, we've been in a series on First John for the past four weeks. Um, and First John is written less in a linear way than most of the epistles are written. Um, they do this thing called uh, cyclical repetition, to where there's sort of three main ideas, and then it sort of circles around all of those ideas constantly. Um, like, there's ideas of truth, love, and life in in First John, and every every so often you come back to the idea of truth. Then you'll go back to the idea of love. Then you'll go back to the idea of life. Like it just it constantly circles around, and each time it comes around, it kind of offers a new perspective. That's really the way uh, these epistles were written. And so there's this repetition of these ideas. So you're going to hear a lot of similar ideas uh, throughout the this series. Um, but there's constantly um, new perspectives and ideas on the same subject. Uh, so if you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to open it to 1 John chapter 3. That's where we're going to be at today. And this, this chapter really illustrates this idea of love um, really well. Uh, and, uh, and it really, you know, it, it talks about a few things that love does in our life. And that's what we're going to talk about in this message this morning. You know, even even first John three starts out with see what great love the father has lavished that we should be called children of God. Just think about how amazing that verse is. Like, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God of God. Like, just think about yourself for a moment. Like, you know your heart this morning. You know where you're at. You know the things you struggle with, and you know the ongoing need in your life for forgiveness and grace and how broken we sometimes are. And through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, he invites us into his family just the way we are. I mean, he, he doesn't want us to stay that way, but, but he loved us. And, and, and we love this morning because he first loved us. And that's going to be the overarching theme of this message is we love because he first loved us. And, you know, sometimes we can get kind of jaded to the gospel because we've heard it so many times. We've heard it from so many different speakers We've constantly heard the gospel message, but there's something really powerful about it. Like, it's the best message ever of freedom and grace offered through Jesus' sacrifice on a cross. And we can be called his children because of it. We constantly need to be reminding ourselves of the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And, And, you know, the truth is, 
he really didn't need anything from us. Like, he didn't need anything from Jeremy. But he chose to die on a cross for us. And now he is asking us to make his name known. And I think that's why it's so important to remind ourselves of this. You know, our culture is very individualized. Like, what's best for me? What fits for me? Like, my experience is what, it's, is, what is important. Even in our church culture, we tend to ask ourselves, was the worship just right? Was, was the sermon the correct balance of humor and, uh, and tension and heartwarming feelings? Like, like do, do all of those things exist in the church service, and then I'll go home and talk about how my experience was at church. And church really isn't this thing that's like super individualized in that way. Like we are a body together, unified. And so many times we separate ourselves and we, we make it this like really individualized thing. Like we love because Christ first loved us. And our goal is to be inspired to share his love with the world, to be his hands and feet. Not necessarily to just come and worship together and feel inspired for ourselves for the week. That's really not what that is. And if you want the truth, that's what it is. I mean, Christ loved us enough to make us a part of his family. Now he is calling us to something, not just to come to a church and and just worship and just make this really individualized thing to the point where we don't actually do any of his work. You know, God calls us his children and he loved us and we should love one another, not just this individualized thing. So in verse 12, um, we, we, we hear more about this love and, and, he, and he actually John tells us to not be like Cain who killed his brother, to rather love one another and avoid hatred, like which is murder. Hatred is murder. So why is in love why is love important for us to talk about that? Let's start in verse twenty three. It says, And this is his command to believe in his name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is his command to us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We must, we must do what is, what is commanded here. So what is commanded here? Well, we must believe in the name of Jesus and we must love one another. And that's what I want to, I want to talk about today. So one of the three main themes of First John is this idea of love. And, and it has a lot to say about it here in chapter 3. And so there's three things that I want to talk about this morning that love does. That's what I would like to do with the rest of our time together. So we're going to start in verse 13 now. It says, Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. 
Anyone who does not love remains in death. John here says, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Remember that it hated me first is what what, uh, another book says. But don't be surprised if the world hates you. But here we get this idea, this first idea of what love does. So number one, love displays a changed heart. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Uh, Many of you, when you came to faith, uh, have said things like, like, I, I am not who I once was. Or, or, or the old me would have done things this way. Well, that's because the love of God has penetrated our hearts. And it's causing us to live differently. Love displays a changed heart. But sometimes, loving one another is really difficult. Because we feel like, when we, when we put ourselves out there and show love to someone, there might be this idea of wasted love. Like I put myself out there and I tried to encourage somebody and it won't help. Or, or maybe I've been hurt in the past where I've offered myself and it, and it just feels like they reject it. And now I put myself out there, I displayed love and it just feels wasted. I first came across this idea of wasted love in Matthew chapter 4, 23. And you don't have to flip there. Feel free to write it down if you would like to. Matthew chapter 4, 23 says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. I remember reading that and I was like, really? Every disease? Every issue he healed? Every single one? Really? Well, yes, he did. You know, it didn't say good, sick people. It didn't say the good people or the deserving sick people. And it certainly didn't say the righteous people. Every sick person, every disease, every afflicted among the people. So, so I really want you to think about this. Jesus healed hands that would hit. He healed eyes that would lust. He healed feet and legs that would run away. Like, doesn't it feel like, like Jesus should maybe use some of that foreknowledge a little bit better? Like, maybe, maybe you should choose to heal the people that will come back to you. Like, maybe then it wouldn't feel like wasted love. Like, you, you displayed this thing, but, but people chose something different. A- another example is in Luke 17. There's ten lepers that are crying out to Jesus to be healed. Ten lepers. And he says, go to the temple and be healed. And all ten of them do. And all ha- ten of them are healed. And one of them comes back to praise God. Like in my like flawed thinking, I'm like, why would you heal all ten? Why wouldn't you just heal the one guy that's going to come back and praise you? Like that, that's, that's the flawed thinking that I have sometimes. Like if you knew that 
of the people that you helped would actually turn around and praise God? Would it really make you feel like loving those people? It feels like it would drive you crazy. This idea that, that God loves us, even, even if we choose something different. Like, we, we can't live this way. Like, we can't live with this idea of wasted love. Like, I can't love that person because they're going to they're gonna do something wrong. We're not, we, can't, we can't help them in any way because they're going to use it for the, with the wrong motives. Like, if Jesus loved this way, then we would all be broken sinners with no hope of salvation. But instead, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's so hard sometimes to think, what kind of love is this? That even even though some of us choose things that we shouldn't, He still offers His love to us freely. See what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. So maybe, maybe we're not comfortable sharing the gospel with the girl at work that needs to hear the good news. Or maybe it's not comfortable for us to, to talk to that guy at the office um, that marriage is falling apart because maybe you'll feel like you'll put yourself out there and it won't be received well and it'll just be wasted effort. Whatever it is, there is something about that that we need to lay down our comfort even if we feel like it's wasted. To show the love of God that he displayed to us. Love displays a changed heart. So now that love displays a changed heart. Verses 17 through 18 say, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. So love doesn't only display a changed heart, but love drives us to action. How many of you have ever taken the five love languages test? You know, when I first took that test, um, and and don't worry, this is not going to be a talk on marriage now. This is merely an illustration when I first took the five love languages test, and, and some of you are really going to laugh at this, I totally thought that the point of taking that test was to show my spouse what my love languages are so that she would know when I'm communicating love to her. And some of you are out there thinking, well, that is the point of the five love language test. Let me tell you, it's not. The point of that test is to show or to see from your spouse what her love language is so that you can love her in that way, not necessarily the one that you're the most gifted in. For example, I've always been uh, pretty good with words, so I wasn't surprised uh, when one of my top two love languages was um, words of affirmation. Like, you can ask Raquel... On a regular basis, I tell her, I love you. I'm proud of you. I wouldn't want to do this with anybody other than you. I, 
I used to write poems to her and did all sorts of like encourage things to encourage her in that way. I was terrible at getting her gifts, like the worst ever. But she, that's what she needed love to be communicated to her. So it wasn't, okay, well, she just needs to know that I'm a words of affirmation guy. No, I need to understand what her love language is and love her that way. Sometimes loving someone well isn't just like the easiest the thing for you, the thing that you're the best at, the thing that just comes naturally. Sometimes showing love and the action it's calling you to is actually something really sacrificial. Something that you're really not as good at. Maybe something you're not as natural at. Maybe it's really difficult, but it means something really significant to someone else. And even just even beyond marriage, showing love to those around you. And, and that means with everything that you have. Everything that you own, everything that you are, like showing love with that. Like we all have possessions and things that we hold on to. But John gives us a challenge here. He says, whatever we have, we freely offer to those who need it. There's another passage in James that talks about this, where it says, if somebody comes up to you in a coat or asking for a coat and you say, go be warmed and be filled, we'll pray for you but you don't give them a coat, it's pointless. But we give to others sacrificially, helping people with the things that we need through, the me- through all of the means that we have been blessed with, maybe financially, maybe with possessions, maybe with some emotional support that you are offering. Like, love isn't just this um, idea that, that you say nice things or do nice things, but it prompts us to action. And that means laying down some of our security. Sometimes it's hard to lay down the security of the things that we have. But here John asks us to lay down those things because love drives us to action. So love displays a changed heart. Um, And maybe we have to lay down some of our comforts, some of the things we're comfortable with. And love also calls us to action and maybe we'll lose a little bit of security with that. But lastly, love causes us to live differently. Verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. It is sometimes easy Uh, to say that love displayed a changed heart. Like, we can fake that really easy. It's sometimes easy to do actionable love. But man, when we are asked to actually lay down our life, all of a sudden things are much different. That causes us to live differently. This is where we truly find out if love marks our life. To be willing to give up our life for it to lay down our lives. And some of you might be thinking, when am I ever going to be presented with an opportunity to offer to die for someone? But, but, but maybe it's more than just, just that, which it is that, but maybe it's more, maybe it's like with everything you have, laying it all aside to display love for someone, like laying down your security, laying down 
your comforts and laying down everything that you have in your life to display love. And all of a sudden, this love starts to look a lot different. All of a sudden, the things that we have seem a lot less important when we actually lay down our lives for others to display their love. This is how Jesus displayed his perfect love for us. It wasn't this emotional thing that we sometimes attach to love. It wasn't this warm, fuzzy feeling that Jesus felt when he loved loved us so much. In fact, when Jesus displayed his perfect love, it was what? It was pain. It was suffering. When the nails pierced his hands, that was his display of perfect love. When he was whipped and beaten to the point where he wasn't even recognizable, that was his display of perfect love for us. And he has asked us to follow in those footsteps. To give up the things that make us comfortable. To give up the things that make us feel secure. Even to lay down our life for others. You know, the Gospel of John, right before uh, Jesus goes to the cross, there is a long portion of him speaking uh, to his disciples. And in this Gospel, we find this beautiful verse in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. It says, a new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know That you are my disciples if you love one another. This world will know if we have a changed heart by the way we live. This world will see the action that love is actually driving us to. And this world will see our love as something different. Because even though we are sinners and broken, we, we lay down our life for them. Just like Jesus did. But the truth is, that is not easy. And it takes a commitment. And there's this famous story in the Bible. And this is where, this is where I want to be as we land this morning. There's this famous story in the Bible uh, where a man came and asked Jesus if he could follow him. He said, I, I, I want to follow you, but hey, really quick... Before I do that, let me go say goodbye to my friends and my family, which seems like a really reasonable request in our minds. And Jesus doesn't answer with no. He actually says, well, 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 how many of the farmers would go out and put their hands on their plow and then look behind them? For those of you that aren't farmers, that basically means when a farmer is plowing, especially in this day, it would have been a horse-drawn thing. Um, And in order for the lines to be really straight, they had to keep their eyes forward on the horse that was leading them. And if they looked behind them, uh, their lines would would start to move and they would start to not be straight. And Jesus here is displaying that you can be my disciple, but you have to leave everything behind, which is so different. 
Now that is a different kind of love. If we Christians become distracted and look at the world that we have left to follow Christ, we will look more like the world than like Him. But if we focus forward on the mission that He has called us to, to love, and love displays in us a changed heart, love drives us to action, and love causes us to look differently. And and remember, we love not because we're great, but because He's great, because we, we were first loved by Him. Let's, let's let the love of God shape us into something much more beautiful than the way we've lived before. Let's let love define how we live, how we act, how we behave. Let's live differently than the world. And so, Father, today as we close, I pray that you would help us. Father, this idea of love is very difficult and challenging but Father, you, as, you have asked it of us. So Father, we as the church this morning, we sit together in unity to say we will live differently. We will show actionable love. We will display a changed heart to this broken and dying world. And we will be your hands and your feet. So Father, may we be, de- be defined by the love, this unconditional love that you displayed for us on the cross. And we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray this morning. Amen.